0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Exodus chapter 2, very famous passage. If you grew up in church, if you didn't, it's a man named Moses. Uh, you've seen probably seen movies from Disney or those who grew up in church, VeggieTales. A uh, very famous passage about a man. Uh, started off rough, but God used for great things. I want to encourage you this morning. These next few minutes, Moses' story starts in Exodus chapter chapter 2, verse 1. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi, uh, it was in their genes. See, some of you weren't paying attention. You're like, why are they laughing? Stay with me. Stay with me. If you don't like punny humor, there's a lot of other churches you would enjoy. And uh, this is not the one for you. Uh, Verse 2. All right. Focus. All right. I've been off caffeine this week. You might notice it, okay? I'm just trying something new this week, so we'll see how this goes. Verse 2, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made with reeds, and see how I skipped that word because I don't know how to say that, <laughs> paprika, um, papaya reeds, uh, these very special baby was in very special reeds, and they waterproofed it with tar and pitch. I need to give you a little backstory right now. There was a leader called Pharaoh, and he put a decree out that every boy under the age of two should be killed. He felt like there was a threatening on his, on his kingdom, and they had enslaved the Jewish people, and they said, listen, if these people get too strong, and too many of these men get too strong and too large and there's too many people. They could overthrow us as Egyptians. So they called out a genocide and said we need to wipe out the baby boys. And a decree went out to kill every boy. This was the culture they were living in at this time. This is why this woman hid this baby. It says she hid this baby In verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made with reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. This is the first historical account of babysitting, right here. She's watching from a distance. Soon Pharaoh, who is in charge of uh, the nation that's enslaving the Jews... Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe along the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket in the reed, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. She felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. She said, yes, please do. So the girl went and called and found the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I want to jump over into 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. This is so good. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to encourage you, as I believe God's speaking to us this morning as a church, from the worship to the offering, even to the message today on this title. Write this down somewhere. Notes never forget. Just write it down help you this week. We believe that Sundays launch you into your Monday. You don't come and just make it to a Sunday. We believe it launches you. This title, So What? So What? The older I get, the more I realize I put myself in my children's shoes. I don't know parents, this is normal of parents, but at whatever stage my, my kids are at, I always think back, what was I doing at their age? I don't know if you do this, and I now have a 14-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter, and, and I look back and go, what was life like for me back then? And you know, my son reminds me of myself, and my daughter, you know, reminds us of uh, of Nancy. And we go back and look how different our lives were, how similar they were. But I, do you ever do this? Do you do this as parents? You look back and go, man, life was different back then. My father always said this one. He said, "I used to ride. A, I didn't have. We didn't have cars. We didn't have the. We never had anything. We. I rode a bike to school in Sambro to Catch Harbor. I had to ride a bike with no seat. That was his claim to fame. Life was so tough. I rode a. It's a wonder I was ever born. Come on, somebody." think about that. He's like, he's like, I, I had to ride a bike to school uphill both ways. I'm like, physically, that's, that's impossible. But, but he's like, that, that's what his story. But I look back and look and say, where was life tougher than my kids? Where was life better than my kids? How was it similar? And when I was thinking back to when I was my son's age, 14, I realized what we did, what we were passionate about was road hockey. Where are my road hockey people. They don't play this anymore. You know, I think there's a game online they play now, but... But back then, we used to go outside, you know, and, you know, and Minecraft doesn't count. That's inside. But we used to go outside, there's this door, uh, and you go outside, there's this air stuff and, and grass and roads. How many of you used to play road hockey growing up? Do you remember these days? You couldn't go through a neighborhood without interrupting a floor hockey game, a road hockey game. Now, you couldn't find a kid if you wanted to, right? But back then, I remember everybody played road hockey. It was a Canadian tradition. It didn't matter if you were athletic or not. It didn't matter who, what your standard of living was. You had a ball hockey stick, and someone had a net, and that's what you played. Come on, how many remember those days? I remember I couldn't wait to get home from school. We'd run. I remember being 14, we ran everywhere. You remember that? You just, no reason. Hey, I need, I'm just going to run. I'm going to run to school, run home from school. I'm going to run downstairs. going to run upstairs. I haven't ran in so long. I forget how. I think I stopped running when I, bought, when I paid for a car payment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not paying for a car payment to run. If you see me running, it's because I'm being chased. Don't look where I'm running from. Come with me, because odds are you should be running too, right? But remember when you are 14, you just ran everywhere. Man, I weighed uh, 110 pounds and nothing but legs and ears, and I just ran everywhere. I just ran. Just ran, ran. Man. I remember coming home from school, I couldn't wait to play uh, road hockey. Man, we had, have a hockey net for Christmas. I want a hockey net. In your stocking, you get new of those, those, we call them egg balls, those, those gel balls. And you get, you get the, the hockey balls that really hurt, you know, but then you get those little white ones. And, and they, they were awesome for road hockey. And all we did was think about road hockey. Man, you get there and you get your friends. And we'd have street versus street competition. I grew up on a street called Cabot Crescent. It was the perfect street for road hockey. At the top of it, it was flat. And because it was a Crescent, cars didn't drive through there a lot. And, man, it was the perfect place. And we'd play other streets like Crimson. And we'd play Carche. And we'd have street versus street. We had these competitions. You'd get there. Remember this? you throw your stick in the middle and pick teams. Those were the awesome days, man. I remember little kids would come and watch us. You know, junior high girls would come and watch, and, one, and little kids would come and watch. And it was like this. We had a crowd, and people were cheering us on. It was, we felt like we were Ray, Wayne Gretzky and And If you know who that is, you're my age. And we thought we were, if you didn't know who that is, I'm not even going to explain it to you. But we, we were Mike Bossy. We, we, were, we were, come on, give me a Montreal Canadian. Guy Lafleur. That was before my, I'm not that old. We were, we were Guy Carboneau and Stéphane Richet. Those are my people right there i never forget we were playing floor hockey, and I was known for my slap shot, because it was awesome, or it was awful, and you didn't know which one was going to come at you. I mean, I'd line up and hit that egg ball, and it would curve, and it was beautiful. It'd be top corner. It was legendary. But half the time, I would miss that net. It would go so far down the road. We were, people were looking for it. It would go into the drain. Remember going to the drain? Have to cover the drains. There's drains, kids, outside. I don't know if you know this, but on our streets, and Remember the drains? you cover the drains, right, with goalie pads, and it was a whole different day. I remember there was this one kid named James. He would come, and he was three or four, and his sister Megan, and they lived on our street, and they would sit on the curb and watch us junior high, high school guys play road hockey. James was so cute. He had these, these cheeks on him, and, and when he walked, all four cheeks and a couple of chins would move, and he was so cute, and, but he had his own hockey stick, and he wanted to play with the big boys, and I was, you know, I was a, a kind kid, and we were good kids, and we were always really polite. But he'd come out with his little stick and come out and try to play with us. And but I remember thinking, like, okay, this is cute for a minute. But come, where's your mother at? Get this kid off the road. Like we are, we are serious hockey players. I can't let go of my slap shot if he's on the middle of the road. And we tried to get him off the road, but he'd come back on with his hockey stick, and he'd want to be on our team. And it was cute for a minute. We'd let him score, but then okay, go play. You know, go watch some TV, go do something. He'd come right back out. And we realized how we could fix James was we made him the one that went and chased down the balls when we missed the net. It's like a golden retriever That's what we made him. James, can you go get And we just, we just take a ball and shoot as far as we could, and James would be gone for five minutes. He'd come back, and, oh, he's back. Crap, he's in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, middle of the road. Come on, shoot another one. we shoot off into the woods, and one day he never came back. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we still told stories about James. There's now a James Cup that we play. No, I'm I'm kidding. But, but James would keep coming back, and we'd send him off. And I'll never forget. About 12 to 15 years later, I'm sitting on my couch watching. I'm married at this point. I'm watching Sports Center and. It was 2006, and it was talking about the NHL draft, and all of a sudden, it was this big news, and, you know, from Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia, num- drafted number ninth overall, James Shepard. And my mom goes, you know, that's the same kid that used to watch you play groundhog. I was like, I'm like, Megan and James? Like, the golden retriever James? Like, the kid that we never saw come out of the woods, James? Like, that's, yeah, he's 6'2", you know, he, he, he's uh, 220 pounds now. Minnesota Wild drafted him ninth overall. I'm like, I made him. I'm like, I better get a chunk of that first signing bonus. Me and John Doucette ran into him at the St. Mary's gym one time. I'm like, he doesn't even know who I am, but I made him what he was. If he has a slap shot today, it's because of me. If he doesn't have a slap shot, it's because of me. I created that love for hockey. That, that's, I, I have a big part to play in James' life. You know, it's interesting. I think about that. I think about what we read today. And here's, here's what I want you to know. I saw where he was, not where he was going. I saw, I defined him by his current reality, not his future potential. I saw him for the problem he was, not the potential on his life. Here is the tension today that I I struggle with in my own life, and as pastoring a church, me and Nancy as we lead this thing is, what would it look like as a community? What would it look like as a church if we saw people the way God sees them? How would it differ our interactions around coffee? Uh, how would it differ the way we treat each other as teams? How would I think differently about myself? How would we treat our, our, our families, our coworkers, our neighbors differently if we saw them the way God sees them, not the way we see them? See, we see people in their present reality, and we want to put them in a box that we define. We see someone and we limit them. Okay, that's what you're good for. That's what you do. That's all you're capable of. That is your lot in life. But God sees people differently. He sees differently. God sees us where we are, but he sees what we can be. What would it look like as a community if we did that? What We're so quick to put people in a box built by our reviews. I search out reviews online when I'm going to a restaurant or a movie. Our church on Google has reviews, most of them positive. But we, 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 we put people and we put conditions on them and we define them based on our reviews going, yeah, okay, So we, we come across people and we do this, the frustrating ones. Some people are frustrating. Sometimes I feel like that's all we do as leaders is, is deal with frustrations even with our team because you know what, people are messy. Did you realize that yet? Did you know church is people? That means church is messy. It's brilliant, but it's messy. My family can be messy. Why? Because I'm messy in my emotions and my choices. But sometimes people frustrate each other. The way we say things, the way we do things. And we put people in a box going, you frustrate me, thus you are limited to what I think about you. And we put people into a category that's limited. What about the messy people? They walk in. Some of you walk in here and you got some stuff going on in your life. And we see people go, okay, they're, they're just messy right now. Like They can't really help me. They can't really promote me. They can't really benefit me. Their life is a mess. And we put them in the mess box. And we say, okay, you're there and you'll probably always be there. Because you've always been messy and you always will be messy. Your life is a mess. Your choices, your emotions, what you do. And we put them in the messy box. What about the different people? Uh, they don't really fit. They're different. They don't really get our jokes. They don't really dress like us. They don't really know the... The normal social cues are socially awkward. You know the people that don't know when a conversation's over? Do you know those people? If you don't, you're probably that person, you know? When I turn my feet from a conversation, it means I'm done. <laughs> okay, help somebody out. I'm talking, hey, how are you? The second I turn, what it's saying? By the way, I'm moving on now. We should wrap this up. Some people don't get that. They follow you, you know? And they're different. And some people, they think different. I want to let you know today that God doesn't want us all to be the same. People think, man, like they, they, they all dress the same. They look the same. They're the same age. No, no, God doesn't want to erase your personality when he comes in and touches your life. He wants to ignite it. And if you are an introvert, you're going to be an introvert when God gets a hold of your life. If you're an extrovert, you're going to be an extrovert when God gets a hold of your life. The way you're wired, God wants to just to redeem it and, and, and sanctify it and, and help it. But, but we put people that are different going, okay, they don't fit with us. They fit over there. And we have our thing going and, and they fit over there. There, we put people in boxes based on our reviews, but God sees differently than us. God sees what's possible, not what's present. I need to help somebody in this place. It's going to help me. It's helping my pastoring. It's helping my parenting. I believe it's going to help you to say, God, God is more oven than microwave. I remember when the microwave came out, my mom was telling me about it before she bought it. She's like, you can cook things really quick. I'm like, what do you mean? She was, you can put it on for like five seconds. And I had this thought that, you mean you can cook a turkey dinner in five seconds? Like, I, I just thought because there was a timer, you could control it. But I, I'll be honest, in my teens and 20s, I spent more of my meals out of drive throughs and microwaves than any oven. But we want things quick, don't we? We want people to change quick. Walk into a service, and they walked in a mess, they walked in different, they walked in hurting, they walk, and we're like, okay, ding, why aren't you better now? Why do you still think like you were? Why are you still limited by your past and your choices and your emotions? Listen, I've realized in my life, God is more oven than microwave. We're like, come on, can you do this quicker, God? Can we drive through God? And God's like, no, no, I want to prepare something. Listen, time is the oven that lets God use you. We are. We think time is the enemy. Time's not the enemy. It's the oven. But God sees things differently. He sees where we are to where we can be. Moses, the story of Moses. You need to know about Moses in our life is that your current situation doesn't determine your future destination. Some of you can only see where you are right now. That's why I love what Bill shared today. What he was saying was your current situation does not necessarily determine your future destination. They were a young family. He got saved. God came into his life in his 20s. He would never have known the destination on his life and on his son's lives and his grandchildren's lives because your current situation doesn't always determine your future destination. Some of you, all you see is your situation. All you can see is the person next to you, their situation. And you put them in a box going, that's who they are, that's what they will be. But I wanna remind you today God sees things differently. That when you sow something, you change it. When God sows a life, it comes back differently. What is sown can be grown. We believe in sowing and reaping. It's a planting term where you put in the ground, will grow, and you harvest it. What you sow, you reap. What you plant, you harvest. What is sown can be grown. You need to know today. your lot in life is not fixed. You are not set in your situation. You may be going through hell or through a trial, but your current situation, my God, somebody, is not your final destination. God has a plan for your life. God can interrupt. That's why I even prayed today. Let's get God out of the box of our reviews and our expectations. God is bigger than your experience. He's bigger than what you've experienced. And God wants to blow the walls off the box that you put him in and let you know he can interrupt your life. He can promote your life. He can change you because what is sown can be grown. Moses, his current situation was in conflict. There's this war between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. Hopelessness was their lot in life. Best case, he would have been a slave. Worst case, he would have been murdered as a baby. That was the hopelessness in his life. There's hopelessness in our city. It wants to flood into our minds and our homes and our churches, in our schools. But Moses was in a hopeless situation. He was defenseless. He was a baby. There's nothing more defenseless than a little child, a little life. They can't feed themselves. They can't move themselves. They can't defend themselves. They can't talk for themselves. Moses was defenseless, and he was put into a basket, literally a basket case. That's where that term must come from. You're a basket case, which means you've got no hope. You've got no plan. There's no way you can figure this out. You are up the river without a paddle. You're a basket case. I think it all comes back to Moses. His mother puts him in a basket and basically says, you know what, I can't protect you. I can't do what's needed. I just know I love you and I believe in you, but it's beyond my control and I release you and I sew you out. I don't know what's gonna happen. That is the context of this story. You hear stories of people leaving children on doorsteps. You hear people saying, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I believe, I just can't handle, I can't right now, I just can't. This is what Moses' life was sown. This is what his current reality was. He was a part of a slave culture. His parents were poor. There was people out to kill him. And his mother with no plan goes, I don't know what to do except to just send you down the river. I got no plan. Just send you down the river. I can't keep you or defend you. And our current situation is hopelessness and defenselessness. That's the story Moses starts in. But if you read the Bible, he says he gets adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, this is the the leader of the nation. He's then trained by the best teachers and warriors. Then he's exiled as a man to wander the desert and only to be called back by God to free millions from the slavery they were in. The little baby that was sown in a river in a basket came back to be the champion that freed his mother and his aunt and his father and his grandparents and his neighbors. They sent a baby down a river and a champion came back. What is sown can be grown. Your current reality does not determine your future destination. I want to speak hope into your heart today. But sometimes we only see the current reality. We can't see like God sees. What would happen if we started changing our vision? See beyond our current reality, start maybe seeing with the eye of God and seeing the gold in people, the potential in people, what God has for them in their life. What you sow can come back to save. What you sow can come back to save. This mother sowed her son, never dreaming he would be the one to free them from hundreds of years of slavery. What you sow can save. Bill said it today. He's looking at his granddaughter on the stage going, I had no idea that giving a little bit of money to help a church but create an atmosphere for my sons to grow up in. And then my, my grandchildren, all of a sudden my granddaughter serving God, worshiping on a church stage, he had no idea what he sowed can come back to save. He had no idea taking people from their limitations to divine destinations. It's the story of the Bible. Current realities were limited, but God had a destination on their lives. David was too young, but he killed a giant. Esther was too pretty, but she stopped a genocide. Gideon was too insecure, but he led an army. Paul was too bad, but he wrote the good news. And Daniel was too good, but he influenced an evil culture. Your current limitation does not affect your destination. Moses was sent as a helpless baby, but came back a revolutionary. What you sow has potential to grow. What's this? Because this is the last joke of the day. Right. What's this? Apple turnover. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> That's so bad. It's good. <clears throat> it's an apple. You see an apple. I see an apple. God sees an orchard. Inside this apple, there's seeds. Dozens of seeds. You see an apple. I see a current reality. I see an apple. I can buy. I can eat. But God sees the potential on this apple. I feel like it's our lives. Inside this apple, there are seeds. Dozens of seeds. Each seed has a tree in it. Inside that tree, there are hundreds of apples. Inside each one of those hundreds of apples are dozens of seeds, and every apple has dozens of seeds, and those seeds have a tree, and every tree has more apples. So you see an apple, but if it's planted in the right place, at the right time, in the right atmosphere, what is sown can be grown. You see an apple. I see a forest of trees, an orchard of trees that planted just right inside. Every apple is an orchard. Inside every orchard, there are more apples. Every apple is more orchard. It's uncontainable the potential inside this one apple. Apple, the company. Some people saw something starting in someone's garage, a company. Do you know if you invested $10,000 in Apple when it started? People saw, I don't know, understand what this is. It's a computer. Like, what, what do they do? There's already, there's already Microsoft. What's Apple? And they said, what, what is it? They saw somebody trying to start a business, a couple guys trying to start a business with computers. They didn't get it with their long hair, and they, they didn't get what they were doing. But if you saw with the eyes of God, you just didn't see a garage business. If you invested $10,000 in Apple when it started, it'd be worth $3.8 million today. Think about that. People say all the time, if you go back in time, what would you do? I'm like, I'd invest in Apple. Would you stop a war? No, I'd invest in Apple. I'd give $100. bucks. i would beg, borrow, and steal it. $100, bucks. we are good? All right, I'm set for life, right? Why? Because there's potential beyond the current reality. So many people have said this, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. You ever hear that saying? I'm just waiting for my ship to come in. Man, I'm just waiting like one, one day. But you know what? They've never actually sent a rowboat out. Man, I'm just waiting for that right job. Someday, man, my ship's gonna come in. I'm gonna get that job, man. Someday, I'm gonna get, you know, the right relationship. Someday, I'm gonna be all right. Someday, someday, I'm thinking, have you ever sent a rowboat out? How do you know a ship's coming in? So what? What you sow, you will reap. We're reaping today what a couple sowed decades ago in another field at another time, but we are reaping it today because in every seed, there's a tree. In every tree, there's an orchard. And what you sow can be grown. I want to encourage you today. There's more to than what you see. They let a baby go into the river, but God brought back a champion. Small launches lead to large movements. You coming to church today was a small moment. It was a launch. Some of you, it's the biggest deal in the world that you showed up today. Some of us come in here like, it's church, we're glad we're here. We're going to hug people, walk around, have coffee. But some of you, today was like, you were nervous, you thought about it, you Googled it, you searched it, you thought about it, you were stressed about it, what am I going to wear, what am I going to say? Today was a big deal for you. And We say, first of all, thank you for trusting us and coming. But do you understand the moment that can come from what you just did, the movement in your life down the road, that can come from this moment of going, I'm going to step out and one moment can become a movement. What is sown can be grown. And years from now, your life can be uh, drastically different because of a moment where you stepped out and go, I'm going to give my Sunday morning and see what God wants to do in my life. Coming here today was a moment that could turn into a movement. Baptism. Some of you are getting baptized on December 8th, a Saturday night service. It's just a baptism. No, no, it's more than just a moment. It could turn into a movement. The courage is gonna come out of your life to stand for God, for what he's done for your life. Another level of faith, another level of movement forward that what is sown can be grown. Today, there are moments that wanna turn into movements. That's why you've been trusting God in your finances. The church isn't after your money. God's not after your money. He's after your heart. What's tied to your heart? Your relationships, your time, your possessions. But some of you, by trusting God in just a moment, Giving to God, God will turn it into a movement. I'm here today because my parents trusted God with their finances, their relationships, and their time. Tonight, we have our first ever Nova Youth service. And some will see an apple. Well, how many how you many think you're going to show up at this thing? How many kids do you think are going to show up? I don't know, a few dozen. Some leaders. Some will see some leaders and some teens will see more lights than should be legally allowed inside a building. Bread will there be haze. There won't be haze, so it won't look like the Legion. There'll be pizza, and that's all some will see. But heaven sees it differently. Some will see an apple going, how was your youth night? but I've been around this long enough, I understand God enough, that I don't see an apple, I don't see a service. I see tonight what is possible, that what is sown can be grown, that current situations do not define future destinations. It was many years ago now, this young man on the drums today, Christian, I was at a hotel at a conference. He was there for the conference. He was 12 years of age i never forget it, he had short hair back then. And he walked through the lobby and into the restaurant where I was having breakfast with my brother, his former youth pastor. And i never forget, he had the baggiest pants I've ever seen in my life. And then he had no socks or shoes on. And his little toes kept peeking out as he walked. And he shuffled. He didn't walk, he shuffled. That hasn't changed. He's kind of shuffled. He looked through his eyebrows I remember laughing when he walked by. And then I laughed even more two minutes later when the manager of the restaurant walked him out. You have to have shoes and socks on to come into this restaurant. And he walked by. I never forget it, Christian. You walked by, me and my brother, having breakfast. And he looked over and you smiled. And you, and you just kind of smiled. <laughs> Did I know back then at 12 years of age that boy with no socks and no shoes, a little bit of a clown doing his own thing, walking to his own beat, that, that boy would become the man that would help me and Nancy and our team get this church off the ground. That his wife that he would meet later and marry would be preaching our first ever Nova Youth Service tonight. See my friends, your current reality does not determine your future destination, but what you sow can grow. In their hopelessness, they took a baby and said, we don't know what to do with you. And they sowed and he came back a champion that what they gave came back and freed them from their slavery and their oppression and their misery. What would happen if we saw people different? People walk in and go, they don't smell right, they don't look right, they're different. But we started seeing them through the eyes of God, going, no, 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 I see what can be grown. I don't see what I see, I see what God sees. Some of you are in this moment right now where you're just confused and overwhelmed by your current reality. God would say, See beyond the moment and see the movement God wants to put through your life. There's more on your life. The very ones we sow tonight into this youth service were the ones that can save us tomorrow. See, I've got enough faith, and I've been around this long enough, that tonight there will be some teenagers in that room. And they will go there, and they'll jump around, and they'll have fun, and they'll eat pizza, and people will see teenagers at church, but I've been around long enough that one of those teenagers may be the very one that reaches my grandchildren for God. I've been around long enough that one of those teenagers 10 years from now, 15 years from now, will be working in a Sunday school and loving on my kids, kids, that will help me in a place I had no idea that this young man would be a heavy hitter, helping us do what God wants to do in NOVA. Some see a service, but I see more than that. Some see a moment. I see a movement. There is more possible. First thing I want you to know tonight is I want you to see yourself as God sees you. Some of you say, I can't, I couldn't, I shouldn't. And your current situation is defining you. Would you look at your life through the eyes of God? You see a bruised apple that's limited and done. But God goes, there's life inside of you. There are words to encourage people. There are businesses to be started. There are instruments to be played. There are conversations to be had. There are moments beyond what you can see. There's a movement God wants to do through your life. I could speak to the men that I know in this room and women that at one time your life was a mess in a current situation. But now God has you at a destination where you're influencing thousands. It's the power. I've seen yourself the way God sees you. If you sow your life and give it fully to Jesus, he'll grow you. You can bow your head for a moment. We're almost done. I want to give you the chance today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're like, I haven't given my life to Jesus. I don't know if I died tomorrow, if I go to heaven. I don't know if I'm right with God. I know about God. I know about Jesus, but I can't say I'm connected to him. I can't say that I'm doing life with God. The Bible says that he sticks closer than a brother, that he partners with us, that you don't have to be alone. You can be alone in life, but you're not alone in life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Come in, forgive me for my choices and take over my life and lead me. He'll take your moment and turn it into a movement. And what is sown by that choice can be grown into a place of amazing purpose. If that's you today, with every head bowed, just for a moment, with every eye closed, so, Mike, would you pray for me? In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand We'll put it right back down. We're just gonna pray for you. And today, as you sow your life, as you plant your life into God's hands, watch what he can do with what you sow. If that's you today, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, this is your moment. That God wants to turn to a movement. Two, three, if that's you, just raise your hand all over this place. Put it right back down. Thank you, thank you. Put it right back down. Thank you. The second call is this today. In a moment, we're going to pray. The second call is this is that we would see others like God sees them. Some of you, you're frustrated by people in this room. You don't like people in your circle of influence. Maybe there's people that bother you at your workplace, and you've put them into a box. What would happen if we would say, God, forgive us for limiting people on our reviews, but God, would you give us your eyes to see people differently? When we wouldn't see someone that's a problem, we'd see a possible preacher. We wouldn't see someone who is limited by what they have, but we see entrepreneurs. Would we see people differently through the eyes of Christ? Today we're gonna pray that God would see it differently. We have some youth leaders. Would you come on the stage with me? Our youth leaders are gonna be helping launch our teams tonight. Come on on the stage. In a moment, we're gonna pray for you. Amazing team. We have a couple of them away today on vacation down south. I'm thankful. And when you walked into my life because of a podcast as a teenager, I remember thinking, I, don't, I, don't, I, I only saw the moment, but God saw a movement in your life. The same building that we're having our first youth service at, last August, a year ago, August, you walked in. You weren't strong in your faith. You didn't know what God had for you. I tried to get you to leave and go to another church because I thought she'd be better fit. Another, I, thought that, I tried to define her going, this is her experience. Maybe you should go to this other amazing church. She was like, no, no, I'm staying here. I'm like, okay, James, <laughs> I'm gonna go shoot a hockey ball. You know, just go, go, just go somewhere else. And Jess is an invaluable part of our team now. And tonight she's gonna help reach my kids. I get a text from a couple in Ontario last year going, there's this couple that might wanna to move to Halifax for a year to help you at Nova. And I was like, we don't need it. I don't wanna babysit a couple. I'm like, no, no, just do a Skype call. I'm like, I don't wanna do a Skype call. I'm like, do a Skype call. I'm like, I don't have time. I'm like, make time. And I did a Skype call with this couple and their little boy. And in the moment of a Skype call turned into a moment where they're literally helping us build a work in Halifax your current situation does not define your destination. Can we stand to our feet today, everybody? If you put your hand up and say, I want to know God today, I want to pray. We're going to believe a moment's going to happen. I guess some people coming to join me, pray. Any of our board members, if you're here, if you can join us and pray. Jim, come on up and join us and pray. We're going to pray and believe for these leaders today. I want to pray for you, first of all. If you, got, if you put your hand up in a moment when we're done today, you can fill out that card we gave him you walked in. and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. Take it to the Welcome wall. we got a gift for you today. But this moment can turn into a movement. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. We see differently. We just don't see a service with 300 people. We just don't see lights and a band. We see the sowing, the planting of our lives. And right now, I pray for those that today say, God, I want to trust you with my life. I say, God, what is sown can be grown. Would you right now march in to their lives and help them with their thoughts and their emotions? Father, forgive us for our sin and our choices. Redeem our past, Father, and ignite our futures. Father, I bless them with your presence. Lord Jesus, come into their life. Take control of their life. Lead them in holiness and goodness. In Jesus' name. Now, church, can we pray for these leaders today? That today they wouldn't see a couple dozen youth and some pizza we pray as Nicole preaches tonight, there'll be fire on her, not to impress people, but to speak life into our teams. As they lead worship today, as they, as they love, as they have fun, that today it starts as a service. People go, oh, that's cool, you got a service. No, it's not, not a moment, it's a movement. That today we'll see something grow from this, something will change from this. Can we agree together? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for this team right now. Come on, church, you can join me today. You can get loud. We pray for these leaders right now. God, I pray right now for another level of expectation. This is more than just another hour service. This is more than another load in and set up and tear down. This is more than a message. This is more than a song list. This is more than organizing emails and pizza. But we believe in the name of Jesus Christ that what is sown can be grown. And what we give today can come back and save us tomorrow. God, I pray they'd have a word for our teens. I pray as they pour out today on our students that, God, you would do a miracle tonight. That in this atmosphere, teens would start to hear the voice of God. They'd wrestle with worship and their lives and their purity. That they start to long for your direction, God, for their lives. God, I speak life over these students. And I speak it through these leaders. God, thank you for the passion to pour out. And God, I pray that they would see what we see more than an apple, more than a moment, but for a movement, Father. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And let it be said that hundreds will come through the doors of this ministry. Young people confused and hurt and down, people that are a mess and limited would walk in one way, but walk out another. Walk in in a moment. Walk in defined by their reality, but walk out knowing there's a call of God for their life. There's a purpose on their life. There's more than what people see. Father, I pray greatness over them. I pray tonight's a huge win of Momentum. I thank you for what they sow will grow in the name of Jesus Christ. As we close today, one more thing. We're believing this year to send a team of mostly students on a missions trip. Practically, they're gonna put their own money. It's gonna be quite a bit of money to put into it. We're gonna have applications and emails. Gonna, you're gonna hear about all that in the next coming weeks. But I thought, can we help make it possible to take some of the edge off and to help pay for some of this mission trip? I think it might cost $1,000 a student, but that's only if we give enough to subsidize it. I wanna make it possible that a single mom's kid can go. Make it possible that people that are just struggling can go, I, I wanna make it possible. And I think as a church, we don't do this often. This is not a have to, but would you sow into a moment the first ever missions trip that NOVA does to the Dominican Republic to help people that are in a painful place, that we'd send our teens and young adults and some adults to have an encounter with God and his people and they would see people differently, see themselves differently and come back and help us reach our city. Ushers, as you come forward right now, we're gonna pass the buckets. If you're giving today, you'll see it behind me. If you text to give, just add missions after your dollar amount. If you're going to the debit machine, just write missions on that envelope. Everything in this plate right now will go to missions. Everything's gonna go to that missions trip. And I believe that what is sown can be grown. amen, amen. Amen, ushers, can you pass that? Can we sing this song, Ian? Can we do this one more time? Let's sing one song as we close today. Let's worship together, for God is so good.